The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. First and 10 becomes first and 15. Bathard a little bit of time. One on one toward the end zone. Caught, but I believe out of bounds. And it was. Martin Manley adjusted beautifully to the football. Antoine Lewis was right there with him, but he could not get his feet down catching the football. And that's going to be reviewed. After further review, the receiver got one foot down inbounds. As a result, touchdown. A huge play with less than a minute to go here in the third. Martin Manley, with his first receiving touchdown of the year, could not come at a better time. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye. Guys, Mike, we have our weekly reporter's notebook podcast this week featuring Steve Batterson, who closes the book on the Hawks win at Purdue, previews the Indiana game, and talks Big Ten. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Indiana's Kevin Wilson. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times and KGYM's Tyler Chumeland. The Iowa-Purdue game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Scott Graham and Stanley Jackson. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, whose press conference this week was again dominated by quarterback questions. Kirk talks about playing both Jake Rudock and C.J. Beathard. You know, we'll find out, and we're not even sure what the plan is right now totally, but, uh, yeah, bottom line is we have two guys we feel really good about. It's not like a broken record on this one. I apologize, but, yeah, both guys have played well. Jake's done a great job for us, and uh, C.J. when called upon has really played well, too, so, yeah, we'll just try to figure out the best way to work it. Well, we'll have something down by Saturday, you know, for sure. But uh, they're, they're both going to play, and uh, we, we have total confidence in both guys. It's really hard to regulate anybody's feelings or monitor it. Uh, I'm not that smart. And, uh, you know, what we're worried about is moving the football and scoring points, and I think both players are, are worried about that, too. So, yeah, we, we've got a pretty unselfish group of guys. You know, we haven't played the best, but we've really been this is a fun group to work with. Uh, they got a great attitude, and they work extremely hard, and they care a lot about each other. So, yeah, that's, that's at least my concern. I think the biggest thing is us moving the football and scoring points. Both guys have, you know, to me, given good results when they played. I think both guys have played well. If they weren't, we wouldn't put them out there in the field and we have confidence in both guys. So, yeah, if I had the answer, I'd tell you, we, we don't have it yet. You know, we haven't gone down this road, but uh, we're about to. Ference was asked about the increased depth and play of his defensive line. It's, it's coming. We're developing it, you know, and it's, it's about my quarterbacks. You know, we, we feel like we have three starters at end, legitimately. You know, Mike Hardy's played very well for us uh, going back to last year when he got called upon. So those three guys are uh, certainly playing well and uh, the inside guys we're, we're a little deeper there uh, we have uh, Jalil and Faith and also Nate Budget has done a great job so uh, we're going to need it this week because these guys run an awful lot of plays or a high tempo outfit and uh, you know, we're going to have to keep guys fresh as we possibly can. Ference was asked how you avoid a barn burner when you're playing an explosive offensive team like Indiana. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we can score it well uh, you, you know and that's I appreciate a question about Indiana too you know they're a pretty good football team if you're paying I don't mean you but anybody paying attention 
last year. You know, they, they were very close. I mean, they were really close. They beat us two years ago. And really, since Kevin has gotten there, I mean, you can just see the improvement that they've made. And it started, it was a tough game for us in 2011, too. So uh, they, they started, they were playing hard back then. They weren't uh, as talented in 2011, but uh, they've been moving the ball and scoring points basically against anybody uh, since that time. And last year, they were that close to being a bowl team. And uh, they're certainly on that path right now. And, you know, talk about signature wins and all that kind of thing. You have to you have to get some traction. And going down to Missouri a couple weeks ago and beating Missouri, and that wasn't a fluke win. That was a really two good teams playing very well. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're up against a very tough opponent. They're, they're uh, what are they, our eighth in the country rushing the ball? I know that. They're 300 yards a game rushing it. And that's maybe a pers- mis- misconception about them is that they're a, a throwing team. They throw the ball really well. They run it well. They're a tempo offense, so they really make it tough, and they're playing better on defense than they did a year ago. And that's, uh, I think, the biggest difference right now with this football team. Kirk talks about the Hoosiers improving defense. They're a 30 team now or an odd team, uh, three-man line. Uh, the coach that they brought in, the coordinator they brought in is a uh, Wake Forest. He was at Wake Forest for quite some time and through the Air Force family. So, you know, they're, they're, to me, the thing I'm seeing is they make you work for it, and they're playing really hard right now. I mean, the whole group, and they play a lot of guys, but they're all, doesn't matter who's in there, they're playing hard and making you making you really work. And Ference explains the importance of a bye week for his Hawkeyes. I've become a huge fan of bye weeks. I just think it's it gives you an opportunity to really step back and look at things a little bit, dissect a few things, and you know, try to just pinpoint a couple things that really you want to focus on. And then the other part is it gives everybody a chance to get re- you know, reduced a little bit, especially the guys who have been playing a lot. It was a tough five five week stretch plus camp. Had some heat there the last couple games, so it was just a, it was a good chance for guys to uh, you know get back and get recharged, hopefully a little bit, and we'll see how we come out of it. But um, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. And watch everybody else sweat last Saturday. That was fun. Next, we hear from Indiana head coach Kevin Wilson, who provides his overall assessment of this year's Iowa team. Iowa coming in, very good as always. One of the top teams in our conference, have been for years with Coach Ferentz. Some people think one of the premier teams that can win that division, and they're sitting undefeated in there with only one conference game, but sitting at 4-1, they've played a good schedule. Solid and strong, as they always are. Uh, legit on defense. They re- lost three great linebackers. They plugged three guys in, and with their structure and their defensive front and their coaching, hadn't missed a beat, played really, really good defense they've given up three touchdowns in 12 red zones so 25 percent of the time when you get in the scoring zone you get a touchdown and that's not a good formula on the road you know not scoring when you get an opportunity or kicking field goals is not something that wins on the road a lot in the lifetime of football so that'll be a challenge for our offense offensively as always got a great offensive line starting with their head coach and their line coach and their background but they're always good with maybe maybe the premier player in a conference is their left tackle so tremendous offensive line awesome with the run game and and they stay with it their numbers aren't that that good because they do it and people load up but with that they're passing you would come in saying we're the passing team and they're the running team, yet their passing statistics are way better than ours, and our running statistics are way better than theirs. So it's kind of like our passing sets up the run, their running sets up their pass. They do a great job with their play-action game and their balance and what they do. They don't beat themselves. Solid in the kicking game. If you play well, it'll be a dogfight. If not, you'll get your butt beat by a really good program. So great challenge. Know our guys are looking forward to it. Wilson was asked if his team has more confidence going into Kinnick Stadium this weekend because they won in their last trip to Iowa City. I think our team's getting more confident 
confident just because we've, we're slowly having a bit more success. We're more mature. There's more, there's more talent with the younger guys. The veteran guys have grown. They've been battle-tested and been on the road and played in games. So, uh, you know, that, that team two years ago had some injuries, I think, at Iowa with running back and whatnot. And, and we're, we were a different team. You know, we threw it a lot that day. Uh, didn't run it very, very well. And so it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, we're kind of different. And both those at different, different points. They're a better team, for sure, just with their experience and growth and the way they coach them. And, and I think we're different. And in some ways, we're a little bit better. But it'll be a different matchup. I think, though, uh, I think our team realizes from how we've played that if we play hard, we can match up and compete. And if we don't, we're very, very vulnerable and very susceptible, susceptible to not having a positive outing. And that's all we've talked about, the preparation and the choice to go out and play the way we need to play to be successful. Because if we we can practice it, but you got you got to choose to now go out here and let's, let's fly around and play. And if you do that, you got a chance. So I think it's more of a, just the confidence of where we are this year versus a couple years ago. And in a very interesting exchange with the media, Wilson talks about whether preparing for Iowa is any easier because you know what the Hawkeyes are going to try to do. Unless the team's really, really, really junky all over the place. Most people, they change from week to week, but you get a feel for people. They, you know what they're going to do. And then bottom line, it's it's executed. So I was a couple weeks like, hey, then your place, yeah, kind of what we do. We ran a lot of the same places the next week. You know what I mean? So there's somebody here, because you're up there talking here, your words and share words, whatever, then you change your words, you change your pig Latin, you know, for whatever your stuff is. But, um, you know, end of the day, I mean, it's execution. And I think the worst thing is coaches sometimes, sometimes, you know, Coach Stoops said he, a long time ago, he said, you got that big piece of paper and you got to call all those plays. And he goes, you know, you don't have to. And so, you know, feel free to do, do what they give you and take what's there and feel, don't feel free to, like, you got to justify your existence and guard your desk every day and work 90 hours to, to do a bunch of plays, find out what works and get your kids to execute it. And that's the key to, you know, in this no huddle world, you're a lot of guys on defense talking about how simpler they've made it, which allows their defense to play harder. And when they know what to do, the faster they play, the harder they play, the more play. Now, you can say it's so simple, you know where they're at. But yeah, their kids know what they're doing. They're playing so hard, they're making plays. And as we've gotten more talented, sometimes the coaching's got the way and you can coach your guys to play hard instead of coach them on a bunch of cute little gimmick stuff all the time. You can kind of play a little bit more normal football. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard! 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on, up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet! Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks back at the Purdue game, previews Indiana, reports on the Big Ten, and more. Steve, Iowa gets a big road win in its Big Ten opener a couple of weeks ago at Purdue, 24-10. It was the first game this season where the victory margin was more than one possession, which if you're an Iowa fan is a good thing. It's... The third time this season where the Hawkeyes trailed by 10 points and one, and it's the fourth straight road win. So those are all good things. The offense got off to a slow start, but finally clicked in the second half. And the defense dominated Purdue all day. Give me your sort of closing thoughts on that game. Yeah, it was an interesting day from the standpoint that uh, obviously C.J. Beathard stepped in, got his first start, and uh, really uh, joined the rest of the offense in, in, in really toiling the first quarter. It was probably one of the worst quarters of offensive football I've 
seen Iowa play in a number of years, but, uh, you know, the Hawkeyes kind of got things going a little bit. You could see, you know, CJ kind of settle down into, into his role, and it was one of those things that, uh, you know, the, the game started to turn kind of early in the second quarter, and you could kind of feel when, when Iowa tied it up late in, in the second quarter, just before halftime on a field goal, that, uh, that things had changed, and, and Iowa came out and, and continued to defend well. I mean, the defense has, has shown continued growth, and, and uh, you know, that'll, that also certainly helped Iowa turn things uh, heading heading into the home stretch and, and uh, just enough offense to get by on a, on a uh, you know rather chilly late uh, September day in in, uh, in West Lafayette. Yeah, and certainly did uh, nothing to slow down the quarterback controversy going on, at least among the fans. I don't think it's one among the coaching staff, but uh, Beathard played fairly well after a little bit of a mixed bag start. He had a bunch of drops. And one of the more interesting offensive stats there, going into that game, Iowa had only eight pass plays of 15 yards or more, but they had nine versus Purdue. And that, again, is is one of the stats that kind of fuels this sense among some of the fans, at least, that Beathard's got a stronger arm and they can run deeper plays with him. Although, if you look at the game, the way it was called overall by Greg Davis, it doesn't look like there's much difference whether Beathard or Brudock is in the game. Yeah, I think he did a nice job of kind of helping Beathard kind of ease his way into things. There were a lot of you know short passes early that uh, were designed, I'm sure, to help give him some confidence and, and give the rest of the offense confidence in him, especially after things were, were such a struggle initially that uh, it was one of those deals where uh, the play calling uh, opened up a little bit as as production kind of improved and increased over, over, the, over the span of that second and into the third quarter. So turning to the Indiana game, it's homecoming, it's black and gold spirit game for the Hawkeyes. Iowa leads a series over Overall, 42-28-4. The Hawkeyes are 9-5-1 against Indiana. They've actually played the Hoosiers 15 times in homecoming. They're 4-1 overall, 1-1 in the Big Ten. Indiana's 3-2, 0-1 in the Big Ten. The Hoosiers' biggest win of the year was obviously at Missouri. Yeah, certainly. That uh, That is the game that, that sticks out like a sore thumb so far for the Hoosiers. It's a, a measured sign of progress for, for Kevin Wilson's program in, in its fourth year. And, uh, you know, Indiana and it certainly has had uh, its share of success offensively over over those uh, last couple of seasons in particular, but uh, really a stout defensive performance against a Missouri team that uh, is fairly highly regarded in the SEC, and, and it knocked them out of the polls at the time. And it's uh, it certainly is a, a one of those wins that every program needs if you're trying to build something, and uh, it, it certainly uh, you know has helped the Hoosiers, no question. When you look at these matchups, sometimes the, for lack of a better term, the competing stats are kind of compelling. Going into this game, for example, Iowa's allowing only 18.7 points per game at Kinnick. Indiana, on the other hand, is averaging 36.5 points per game on the road. Indiana allows 36 points per game on the road. Iowa averages 21.7 at home. Another is the Hawkeyes allowed 93.2 yards rushing per game, which is third in the Big Ten defensively. Indiana, however, is in a very balanced attack, contrary to popular perception, I think, is averaging 300 yards rushing per game. When you think Indiana, you think spread and you think kind of wide open, and, and you remember all of those uh, receivers that, uh, you know, certainly have, have helped the Hoosiers the last couple of years, but this is this is more of a Kevin Wilson type attack. I mean, it's, it's built around a really solid offensive line, and, and uh, you know, certainly one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. He's currently number two in the nation in, in Tevin Coleman, and you know, he has some help, too. It's uh, the Angelo uh, Roberts is averaging just around 70 yards a game as well. So it's a perfect combination of, of, of two backs and and, uh, and working with a line.
line that that has it going. They're, they're kind of doing on offense what Iowa, uh, you know, kind of hoped to do, but just hasn't been able to really get going at this point. But you're right; it, it is a it's a, it's a misleading thing that uh, if you think you're going to go into a passing uh, frenzy against Indiana, although they're certainly capable of, of doing so when needed, and you know, his primary objective is to get the ball into space, and whether that's going through the air or through a hole in the in uh, in the defense, uh, he doesn't care how it gets done, just as long as it does. Yeah, let's stick with the Indiana offense for a couple minutes here. It's very up-tempo, as we've talked about. They're putting up big offensive numbers and a balanced attack. For Iowa's defense, I'd probably be a little bit like a track meet this weekend, but Iowa, at least historically under Ference, uses the run to set up the pass, where Indiana this year seems to be using the pass to set up the run, and they've gotten better, markedly better, each year under Wilson. It's a new offensive coordinator over there. He was co-offensive coordinator before, but they're eighth nationally now in their rushing yards per game. They average 513.2 total yards per game. Both of those are third in the Big Ten, and you mentioned Coleman and uh, D'Angelo Roberts, but a very capable and very big quarterback in Nate Sudfield. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's a kid that really is, is seemingly gained confidence since uh, since Trey Roberson's departure. You know, Indiana was one of those teams that was kind of splitting its quarterback duties and, and has for a couple of years. Some of it's been injury related and some of it has been performance dictated. But uh, when when Roberson decided to transfer to uh, to Illinois State, which uh, Hawkeye fans will get a chance to see next season, you know, that, that put the ball in Sudfeld's hands. He's the only experienced quarterback in the program right now, and you know he's seemingly kind of taken that role and, and, and ran with it a little bit. So he hit 23 of 29 passes last weekend against North Texas, and you know in, in some windy conditions that weren't necessarily ideal, but uh, he did a good job of, of running that offense, which uh, certainly allowed Indiana's run game to get going. And, and it uh, it's been kind of an interesting uh, little completion, uh, you know, a little situation for them this year because he. he was in some ways kind of a question mark. He'd had some success, but uh, you know there were a lot of questions as to how uh, you know he would handle things with with the ball you know squarely in his hands. And and so far he, he's done a decent job with it. It's it's been a somewhat of a pleasant surprise. But uh, you know he he's working you know behind a behind a fairly solid line, and 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 he's a big body. I mean six five two thirty, and and uh, he's not afraid to to tuck it and, and take off either. So it's uh, you know a, a pretty well thought out scheme, and 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 they're running it at a pretty high level. Yeah, he's passed for over a thousand yards, has five passing touchdowns, thrown two picks. He's got a nice little wide receiver. He's a big six five guy. This wideout's around five nine, I think. Shane Wynn. Yeah, no question. Wynn is is uh, he's been one of those guys that kind of lived in the shadows of, of, of those other receivers that they've had the past couple of years and you know he's making people forget about Cody Latimer and and uh, such and it's one of those things that uh, he certainly has taken a step forward and and the ball is certainly going to be headed in his direction more often than not uh, he's got 26 passes already and and you know they'll spread it around beyond that and Coleman has 13 receptions himself so there's uh you know they've they've completed 97 passes through five games so I mean they don't hesitate to put it up Indiana's defense has significantly improved this year over last year they have a first-year defensive coordinator, Brian Knorr, who came over from Wake Forest before that. He was at Air Force. Every defensive category is better. A couple of interesting
interesting stats are fourth in the Big Ten, 26th nationally, and tackles for loss. You don't really think much about Indiana and defense. They're also fourth in the Big Ten in, in third down conversion defense, and Iowa's second in the Big Ten in, in making third down conversion. So we'll see what happens there. They've got a couple of good linebackers, a couple of good people in the backfield, and um, defensive lineman that's been very active this year, Bobby Richardson. And then they have a position called bandit. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of a it's one of those hybrid kind of positions that uh, they've gone with the three man front. They've got uh, the bandit is uh, primarily a guy by the name of Nick Mangieri, and uh, I probably butchered that, but I have to spell it. I don't have to pronounce it. That's part of my job. But uh, in print, but uh, you know he, he's a six five two hundred sixty five pounder, and, and uh, you know he'll play in a, in a lot of different spots for them, and and sometimes hand down, sometimes not. And, and uh, always pretty active, and, and it's uh, you know that's worked out pretty well for them this year. He, he's a, he's a guy that uh, had a couple of TFLs and, and is is a little bit all over the place, and it, it's been a pretty effective look. And, and and they seem to be adjusting to it pretty well. You know they, they brought in a few more junior college transfers again this season, and, and uh, uh, those guys are, are settling in as well. And it's 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 been a it's been a good mix. The Hawkeyes are three and zero when they've been trailing or tied at the half, and they've trailed in each of their four wins so far this season, and they've come back from 10-point deficits in three games, and they've had two fourth-quarter comebacks. But in the second half so far this year, they've outscored their opponents 62-36. to We've talked in the past couple of weeks about their fourth-down conversion attempts, and, and they've made the most in the Big Ten. And to talk a bit more about the quarterback situation, I don't think it surprised many of us that uh, Jake Rudock was the named the starter on the two deeps again this week, and the Ferentz press conference on two Tuesday was spent about, I don't know, 45, 50% of the time talking about how that's going to work. What do you expect to see this Saturday in terms of Rudock and or Bethard against Indiana's defense? Well, I think the main thing that I was going to be looking for this weekend, and, and one of the reasons I think Jake is, is probably the, the logical choice to go with here, is I think Iowa wants to kind of control the ball and control the clock. The, the ability to uh, to sustain drives against, uh, against the Indiana offense uh, it's kind of rapid fire, no huddle, snap, take as many snaps as you can approach is, is uh, the best way to deal with that is to simply keep the ball out of their hands. And, you know, Jake has been a very proven game manager over the last couple of years. And, and I think that uh, I would suspect that we'll continue to see some short to moderate range passes. So they may take another shot or two downfield. And I think that's becoming more of a part of the Iowa offense just as, as uh, both the coaches and the, and the players uh, get on the same page there. And I, and I think that but, uh, we will see uh, obviously CJ at some point during the game. My, my suspicion is it's going to be for a series or two each half, and and uh, some of that will be dictated by game situations, I suspect. And and uh, you know I think that uh, sounds like uh, neither quarterback really has much of an idea yet how this thing is going to play out. And, and if you believe Kirk, he doesn't exactly know how everything is going to fit together either. They're going to kind of see how things look at practice this week, and then try to put together a plan that will put both of those guys in the position to succeed on Saturday. Yeah, Rudock and Bethard combined for 63.4% pass completions, which is the second highest in conference play. And 16 different Hawkeyes have caught passes, 10 or more in three of the four wins. Rudock, especially because he's played more games, obviously, uh, has done a nice job of spreading the passing largesse around. Another key factor, it seems to me, going into Saturday, and Ferentz also addressed this Tuesday, is it appears that Jordan Kanzeri is finally at or very near 100 percent and you likely will see more of him
him in the running game. Which is a good thing, and I, I think he's a perfect complement to Wiseman. And, uh, you know, we've seen the last two games now, Wiseman has, has carried the ball 20-plus times. You know, they're starting to kind of narrow that funnel of, of who who they're going to rely on in terms of, of being Iowa's top rushers. And, you know, it, it's the two guys we pretty much expected it to be. And Kanzeri, who is, has kind of a series of, of just little nagging injuries, nothing really to, to knock him out of anything for over an extended period, but just stuff that kind of slows you down, seems to have had time now to maybe get beyond that. And, you know, that's a good thing for Iowa. And I think he certainly brings, a, you know, some speed to that uh, position. And, uh, you know, he's a nice change of pace to the power uh, that, that Wiseman brings there. And it's, uh, you know, if I was going to be successful, it's it's not going to be chucking 60, 65-yard passes. It's going to be finding a way to, to pick up some yards on the ground and, and control the clock and do the things that Iowa typically does. And, you know, in talking with Wiseman this week, one of the things that he brought up is, is that he is feeling probably as good at, at this point in the season as he ever has. And, you know, we're two we're two months into this. It's it's one month worth of games and, and a month worth of, of fall practice. And between the camp and, and the games, uh, you know, Iowa has been able to keep uh, their senior back healthy, which, uh, you know, that has always been the case in the past. And that certainly, I think, is, is probably a benefit moving forward. Yeah, Wiseman continues to build some nice career stats in Iowa. But the guy who's kind of gone about things fairly quietly this year is Cavante Martin Manley. He had a nice game at Purdue, caught five passes for 75 yards, including a 22-yard touchdown pass. That game moved him into number five all-time in receptions at Iowa, and he continues to kind of be the, the short yardage go-to guy. Yeah, he, he's creeping up on Khalil Hill in that number four spot, and I think he's about 26 uh, receptions behind uh, DJK right now in, in terms of the career record. So he's he's doing what he was expected to do. And I mean, Cavante is one of those guys that's, you know, his numbers are probably not going to pop off of too many pages at you, but he's going to get you a bunch of receptions. He's going to be a dependable receiver. And, and he's about as good as Iowa has in terms of getting separation and, and, and being a, a guy that you can, you know, safety valve on that third down and, and seven play. And as as confidence grows between receiver and, and, and quarterback, I think we're only going to see that become a, a more important part of this offense moving forward. Yeah, I think the reason, obviously, that you see so many guys catching passes is that they have a plethora of good tight ends. And Greg Davis addressed this in his, his bi-week press conference. I think he feels a lot more comfortable with the speed they have at wide receiver now, too. It's certainly a growing part of what, what uh, you know, Iowa has to work with from an offensive standpoint. And, you know, as guys like uh, Powell and Willies get a little more comfortable and, and consistent in, in what they're being asked to do, we'll see the ball go in their direction a little more often, too. And, you know, on the back end of that, when it does, you know, they've got to catch it. I mean, the, the best way to uh, to earn more opportunities in a, you know, in a Kirk Ferentz offense is, is to deliver when, you're, when your time comes. Their ability, they were guilty of some drops at do as well. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that will uh, will preclude you from, from maybe uh, realizing your, your your perceived potential anyway moving forward. Well, of other uh, key statistics for Iowa so far this season, and I think has been a significant part of certainly their four wins, they have the fewest penalty yards in the Big Ten. And conversely, their opponents collectively have been penalized the most in conference play. That's And that's had been a major factor in a couple of games in particular. 
Yeah, no question. That, that certainly has impacted field position, and uh, yeah, those are kind of quirky stats. I mean, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that uh, uh, I've often thought, and, and I think Kirk has alluded to this in the in the past too, is you you don't necessarily want to be the least penalized team. Uh, uh, that can mean you're you're you know you're playing efficiently, but you might not be playing uh, with the aggression that that it takes. And uh, um, you know, I but I think I was done a nice job of kind of balancing that this year. They're they're playing good, tough, hard-nosed football, and they're playing it uh, the way it's supposed to be played. The uh, by by contrast, uh, they're benefiting from from some of the uh, mistakes that opponents are making, and and that's what you hope that uh, you know will be realized over the course of the season. No question. A couple of interesting positives out of Purdue too was the kicking game for Iowa. Punting is still sort of a mixed bag, but uh, Marshall Kane really seems to be coming on a bit now after a rocky start as a place kicker, and especially in his kickoffs, he ranks very highly nationally and in the Big Ten in his touchback percentage. Yeah, no question. He's, he's put 19 of 24 in the end zone so far this season, and that's a powerful weapon, and, and uh, you know, we, we've seen Marshall get a little more consistent with the field goal opportunities uh, in recent games, the last couple of games, and, and I think uh, uh, you know that certainly has only helped his confidence, and I, and I think that uh, he did deal with some issues. And, and, and uh, you know, kicker is one of those positions that when you go out there and you and you don't have success, it's right out there for seventy thousand people to to see. A lot of times uh, at another position, maybe that stuff can get covered up a little bit, but uh, th- there's no hiding from from what transpires when you're kicking a field goal. And you know, he, he dealt with a little bit of that. And, and my guess is it's probably made him stuff uh, stronger and, and, and tougher moving forward. And, and we've seen a nice rebound and Kirk has alluded to there there are going to be some ups and downs and uh, with uh, any of the new guys that are on the field this year and and uh, you know they just have to kind of ride that and and I think maybe they've ridden one of those bumps uh, uh, with Marshall Kane now the punting situation is uh, is still a little tenuous at this point Dylan Kidd has has not shown the consistency that that Iowa coaches uh, have really looked for at that position and and really haven't found over the last couple of years but uh, to date he has been able to hold off Connor Cornbrath based on performance in practice, and you know, neither neither of those guys uh, were, you know, were lighting it up. Whether it be Cornbrath uh, the past two seasons as a starter, or or from what we've seen from Kid so far, but uh, basically all you can do is continue to send those two guys out there and, and each week and uh, hope for improvement. Uh, we haven't seen it yet, but uh, the, the season uh, hits the midpoint on on Saturday for the regular season. So um, if there's going to be growth, it's probably going to have to start to happen fairly soon. I would suspect. Now that touchback percentage is an interesting one because it's kind of uh, it's one of those stats that goes unnoticed because of things that don't happen because it's so good. Almost every team that Iowa's played has had terrific return people and Indiana's another case where they have really good kickoff return guys but when you're kicking those through or deep into the end zone you completely take that factor out of the games and so it's it's a huge difference in potential field position. Yeah it's a very valuable weapon and, and you know it adds some predictability when you can get that kind of Consistency and you know, uh, you know, Purdue was never really able to do much with with that a couple of weeks ago. And and you're right, Indiana has a couple of really good kick returners. One is Shane Wynn, the receiver, and the other one is Demon Graham, who both those guys are averaging over to over 25 yards a return. And say uh, to position that uh, you're you're helping your football team when you can you can drop that ball into 25 and, and just say go from there. And certainly Marshall has done a great job of putting it in the end zone and, and creating that situation. And, and 
eliminating the you know the threats of those 96-yard returns that uh, come back to bite teams. On the flip side of that coin, you really begin to see some things developing in Iowa's kick return team at Purdue. Uh, you saw Riley McCarron have a 36-yard return, Jonathan Parker a 47-yarder. You just have to think that at some point here sooner rather than later, they're going to pop the, the touchdown return. What one would suspect, Jonathan Parker certainly is, is showing some real potential there. I, uh, he's one of the, you know, one of the uh, deep group of, of backs that Iowa has, and, and they've found a niche for him. And uh, to be able to put him onto the field, on the field, and, and to have him, you know, have some success in terms of kick returns, that's big uh, moving forward. And, and, and certainly, you know, we, we've seen McCarron come back from from his injury and, and position himself pretty well as well. So it, it's going to be uh, that needs to be a strength of this Iowa football team. Anytime you can shorten the field, it's it's certainly help more. You know, it's helpful for an offense that is has struggled at times, and those guys certainly have the potential to do that, and it'll be big moving forward. After this break, Steve talks Iowa's improving defense versus the Hoosiers, looks at the Big Ten, and at the football playoffs. Going downfield, and it's picked off. Intercepted and sitting down is Loudermilk with his second interception of the day. With 104 to go, just a couple of knees to be taken by Iowa for this one to be finished. Just an ill-advised pass. Again, we talked earlier with the Etling interception. You have to locate your safeties. You just can't make assumptions, and that's what Appleby did, did there. He made an assumption that there was no safety and threw it right to him. The second interception today for Loudermilk. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and you can make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the News and Events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeyes Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Quad City Times. We talked a lot about Indiana's offense. We haven't really talked yet about Iowa's defense. They've continued to show a lot of improvement. And outside of that first half in the pit game, they were terrific in the second half out there. They were terrific the entire game against Purdue. I think this will be a real interesting test for Phil Parker's defense. Yeah, they haven't given up a touchdown in six quarters. So, I mean, yeah, this is uh, the type of, of, of test that will, you know, maybe set a tone moving forward here. And, you know, Indiana. Indiana certainly is the most high-powered offense that Iowa has seen so far this season, and going to take uh, a defense one that is ready to go with the way that Indiana, you know, likes to uh, to huddle, to no huddle, and and to you know simply get it and go. They averaged a snap every 20 seconds last year when they had the ball, and they, it's that same type of thing right now. When they want to, they'll slow it down a little bit when they get in the red zone, but uh, it's the type of offense that uh, will test the defense, and you know it's going to be incumbent on guys like. Louder milk and and uh, Lomax at the safety positions to to certainly make sure that you know that their assignment sound to to be ready if if Coleman gets into into their area because if he gets by it, it's going to be awfully hard for for Iowa to catch up with him and uh, you know really uh, the success this week probably starts up front again with which uh, with their ability to to deal with a, a fairly veteran line and and to 
really put some pressure on Sudfield to uh, turn him into a one-dimensional guy. I mean, the more that Iowa can turn Indiana into a passing game, I think a team, I think that's probably a beneficial thing for the Hawkeyes. One of the things to watch Saturday will be Iowa's ability, given Indiana's up-tempo, to get their D-line substitutions in their in the second half of the pit game and really throughout the Purdue game. The defensive line is really beginning to show its depth. There's a lot of substitutions going on there that's getting fresh people in there, and they put a lot of pressure, especially at Purdue. They had constant pressure on Etling, and that was a real key to shutting that Purdue team down almost their entire game. No question. I think that, uh, you know, the, the seven, eight player rotation that we're seeing right now with that defensive front is, has been a key to, to uh, it certainly was to, to taking Pitt out of its game a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that uh, it's experience for guys like Kakadi and, and, and Jaleel Johnson that uh, will be valuable moving forward in their careers, but it's also playing a big role right now. And as they run into and off of the field this week, it's going to be needed breaks for some of those guys because this is a, this is a pretty high-octane offense they're going to be facing, and, and they need to come in. They need to be ready to go and play at a high level. Simon Sound football, you know, you've got to maintain your responsibilities, and their ability to do that will, will dictate uh, what kind of success Iowa has. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you mentioned Loudermilk, how Iowa's been playing, and Phil Parker talked about this last week, been playing more man in the defensive secondary, so it'll be interesting to see how they try to match up the linebackers with Indiana's running backs, and whether there's spies there, and you know who has what assignments in the backfield. Yeah, no question. I th- you know, I think that uh, you know, you take a look at, the, at just use Loudermilk's game at, at Pitt as an example. He led Iowa with 11 tackles that day, and I think that it's uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, those guys, along with the guys in the middle, and we've you know, we've continued to kind of see Reggie Spearman and and uh, uh, Josie Jewell kind of rotate a little bit at that one spot, and and you know how those guys are used. Uh, it's, it creates some interesting matchups, no question. So let's go to your key matchups and your keys to this game. Well, I, I think the main thing that you have to uh, do is you, you better know where Nate Sudfeld is at all times. You better account for him. The ability to uh, to make him a one-dimensional quarterback, to make him a passer, is probably something that Iowa would prefer. You know, Iowa you know, must stop the run. That's where it starts, and, and uh, that also means uh, taking Tevin Coleman out of his game and then taking Tevin Coleman out of Indiana's uh, you know roadmap to success that I'm sure they're thinking about. But uh, the Hawkeyes have had pretty good success about this. He'll, he'll he, with this. He'll he'll test them. I mean, he's top seven. He's topped 100 yards in the last seven games, and it's a uh, you know this is is certainly probably the biggest test that this defense has had so far this season. We'll learn a lot about it uh, on Saturday, no question. I think offensively, I think Iowa needs to get things going much quicker than what we've seen the past few weeks. Uh, in, in talking with a lot of the players this week, that, that was uh, a point of, of conversation. So it's obviously something that uh, is being discussed in in the locker room and with the coaches in meetings and such because, you know, Iowa cannot continue to rely on coming back from 10-point deficits. It just doesn't work that way over the long haul. And, you know, whether it be uh, Rudocker or uh, Bethard behind center, the Hawkeyes need to get some success going offensively through
through the pass and definitely on the ground. Iowa's ability to establish the run will uh, will set a tone on Saturday and, and uh, uh, much like it did at Purdue. And I, I think that that's uh, something that, uh, you know, th- th- those areas loom large. Score in mind? I, I think probably uh, this is a, is a game I think that Iowa can win. I think they're going to have to score some points to be successful. And we're going to throw up something like about a 35 to 28 homecoming win for Iowa. Let's close out as we usually do with some Big Ten talk. Big Ten is uh, really heavy with great rushers this year. Their backfields and conference teams feature four of the top six rushers in the nation right now in terms of average yards per game. And then, of course, you've got somebody like Nebraska's Amir Abdullah, who's now sixth place in the conference all-time list in career all-purpose yards. He's over 6,000 after the game at Michigan State. Last week, you saw some interesting games, to say the least. Terrific game up in East Lansing with Michigan State defeating Nebraska. Nebraska with a bit of a comeback in the fourth quarter, but it came up short. Northwestern with a big upset over Wisconsin, and boy, that makes for an interesting rest of the year in the Big Ten's West Division. And uh, Rutgers continued the pile-on by knocking out Michigan, and the Wolverines, you got to begin to wonder how many uh, how many games they're going to win this year. Yeah, it's been a rough go for the Wolverines so far, and they've got Penn State coming in for what is the first uh, conference night game ever at, at Michigan Stadium this week. So, you know, there'll be some energy in that place, no, no doubt about that. Uh, whether or not Michigan will be uh, providing positive or negative energy remains to be seen. It's, it's certainly been a struggle, and, and you've got to wonder, as you, as you said, whether or not that, uh, you know, that Brady is, is going to have a chance to get this thing turned around, but uh, especially against the Penn State team that has played fairly well. Uh, but I, I do, I will say, I do think the Nittany Lions are kind of stepping into a kind of a wounded animal's den and, at this point, and, and uh, uh, you know, if Michigan is going to show any life, I think it probably starts Saturday night. Uh, it certainly is the marquee matchup of, of the weekend in the conference, and, and probably a, a first, maybe a first last chance for, for Brady Hoke. We talked earlier in the year about Iowa's offense lacking in identity. It seems so far this year Michigan has no identity on either offense or defense. Other interesting game Saturday for the Iowa fans, at least to keep an eye on, is Northwestern at Minnesota. Yeah, no question. Northwestern, you know, sitting at 2-0 and right now, this is this is a big road game for them. Pat Fitzgerald's team has done a nice job of kind of turning things around following that 0-2 start. They've they stayed the course. They took care of business at Penn State and turned around last weekend. And they really took it to a Wisconsin team that uh, certainly had high hopes. And, and the Badgers did not play very well in that game, missed a ton of tackles. But, uh, you know, somebody's got to uh, to slow the, the Cats, and somebody needs to slow the Gophers. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Minnesota is coming off a, a bye week, but they've had, uh, you know, a solid start to the season. They've got David Cobb, who will be uh, is certainly one of the better back in this league, and, and it's an interesting matchup. It'll be a very physical game, and I think it's going to be a very close, down-to-the-wire kind of game, I would suspect, and, and uh, it, it will be uh, a benefit to whoever can get out of that with a W because it really puts them in a, in a pretty interesting position moving forward. The Big Ten has three teams left in the top 25 in both of the major polls. Michigan State's 8th in both, Ohio State's 15th in both, Nebraska, despite the loss to Michigan State's 21st in both. The biggest shakeup in the top 25 that I remember in quite some time. What a wacky weekend last week. Yeah, I'm the AP voter in the state of Iowa, so I <laughs> spent a little time on Sunday shaking up the ballot before I, I sent it in. And it, it was. I mean, it was a crazy week 
weekend filled with uh, the types of things that make this game kind of fun and interesting. And, and you know, and I, I think we're going to see a lot of it. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you that through the first month of, my, of the season, the bottom seven or eight on my ballot on a weekly basis has just been a scramble. You know, I, and I think what we're seeing is we're seeing some parity. We're seeing an awful, you know, uh, an awfully large number of, of solid teams. You know, maybe no real dominant team uh, at this point and, and it was it was an interesting weekend I mean certainly the you know the SEC West is a meat grinder there's no question about that it's going to be interesting to continue to kind of follow how things play out here over the next few weeks because it's uh, it's uh, you know it's all going to play into who gets those four coveted spots in the in the first ever playoff coming up and you know there'll be some battles for that shaping up as well Undaunted by the challenges they faced, they would not rest until they were number one again. Yeah! One more snap should get this one done. Big day for C.J. Beathard and a big day for the Iowa Hawkeyes on the road. Starting the Big Ten schedule off with a W. If you're an Iowa Hawkeyes, I think you like where you are. Anytime you can win a game on the road in the Big Ten and it's a good thing. Your backup quarterback came in and played well, in particular in the second half. It's a good game for the Hawkeyes. Well, big-time day for Iowa, figuring out a way to get it done once again on the road today, and they get themselves a victory. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and as always, thanks to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate, you can, by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.